Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed, and this particular episode is the Bad Batch Report. Oh man, I was going to do a Wookie, Wookie growl, Joseph, and I backed off on it. Now <laughs> <laughs> I sound like a horse. Uh, sick. Oh, I got a, a last, you know, fail. I failed my improv session right there. Did yes, you, I so, go with your instincts. 
you were about to Wookiee roar, and then something made you question your Wookiee roar. Uh, what made you question your Wookiee roar? And I, I don't do a good one. I've never done a good Chewbacca. Everyone's got a Chewbacca. I got a, or a half-decent Yoda, all right? I could fumble my way through Dexter. I can't do a Chewbacca. I, I got scared. Did, I got somebody, scared. did somebody Wookiee roar shame you at some point in life? Myself. I think I looked in the mirror and said, not today, kid. <sighs> I, I kind of don't think, I think there are great Wookiee roars. I don't know if I've ever heard a truly bad Wookiee roar. Like, mm. uh, I mean, I guess mm. maybe just if you, you know, you open your mouth and a like horn sound comes out <laughs> instead of a Wookiee roar, like a cartoon. Yeah, see? Uh, see that was great. Do it again. Mm. <laughs> Here's um, my distinction. Is uh, that whale? Perhaps. Uh, see that yes it sounds like one of the source sounds that ben burt recorded yes yes i would say perhaps it doesn't sound like chewbacca but it certainly sounds like a wookie uh, there you go <laughs> there you go that sounds like a, a wookie on uh one of your favorite places the the patio at the comedy store right uh, sharing their opinions it does <laughs> barking it out well the person making good wookie noises is ken Napsock, and i'm joseph scrimshaw if you're just catching up with our shows uh, we always do uh noises on our report shows just for fun and apparently for emotional discovery as well <laughs> but we are very happy to be here discussing an episode full of beautiful wookie roars it is the second season of Bad Batch episode, episode six, uh, entitled Tribe, written by Matt Machenovitz, directed by Stuart Lee, and the story editor credit throughout the season continues to go to Matt Machenovitz. Uh, what was your viewing experience, Ken? Did you have the midnight experience watching this on Disney Plus on the Pacific timeline? I, I didn't. Uh, and we're still kind of in that period of time where, where you and I are, are fortunate enough to have the screeners. So I'd watch this um last week right after you and i recorded the bad batch report for episode five mm. uh, and which weird because i'll admit this I, I you you loved episode five and and i i think i really liked it and i just for some reason it didn't connect with me as fully as, as you and other folks mm -hmm. i loved it loved it. i want that to be clear but you know sometimes it happens and i think i i we, you and i finished recording i warmed up some food and i said i'm gonna push forward because i know <laughs> i love the show and that just didn't feel right to me that i didn't love it as much as other folks right and again sometimes it just happens mm -hmm. and so I watched this right away and I was like, oh, here we go. Once the moment I first heard that great Wookiee roar, I was like, here we go. We, we, the, the, the main event a lot of people have been waiting for since celebration. Uh, Gunji returns. Or yes, you and I have said Gungi before. Uh, and Gunji seems to be the answer. But I would debate with Star Wars that as a comic that chooses words and syllables on purpose, Gungi is stronger than Gunji. But that's a different debate for another show. All right. <laughs> You feel like Gungi is a just a a stronger in, in what way that it's just it's more punchy, it's more comedic, it's clearer. If your punchline ends with the word muffin, try cupcake, right? Like yeah, that's right. That someone once explained to me. And 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 Gungi sounds stronger. Uh, uh, you know, not that the strength of a Wookiee, but just it just sounds more right to me than Gungi. But I stand I stand corrected by Hunter's interpretation of the word. So, anyways, all I have to say, I'm, I'm sidetracking myself. I watched it, I watched it again this morning. And I realized today, Joseph, uh, today was the first day I've watched it on uh, the Bad Batch season two on Disney Plus. Even last week, when I could have brought up the Disney Plus version, <laughs> I sat down by habit in front of my screener with our email in front of it, and I actually this morning finally watched Bad Batch on on my TV. So that was my experience. That was fun. 
That is a great experience, uh, and I like your distraction. I want to understand why Gungi speaks to you, and that makes sense. Yeah, my uh, my personal interpretation uh, of comedy is that it is uh, it is violent. It breaks things uh, in order to create the joy of laughter. So it is violent in the pursuit of a positive thing, laughter. <laughs> so it makes sense to uh, for the comedic uh, punchline to have uh, vowels and sounds that are percussive because it sounds like it's punchy. It's hard. It's violent, mm. you know? Mm. So uh, that makes sense to me why you would uh, like Gungi, but also why ultimately this character in this episode would be called Gunji because ultimately soft throughout the violence. <laughs> yes. Actually, it's good. First of all, I've, I've never heard a drummer describe com- comedy in that way, and it's beautiful. Oh, it's beautiful. It it's percussive. You, you, need to, you need to hit the, uh, the laugh line exactly the way you hit the cymbal. And sometimes you need a brush instead of a stick. Anyway, Love it. we are Love getting it. very distracted in our various life experiences. <laughs> we are indeed. But, uh, but I think you're right. The, 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 the gunji ends up being rather appropriate after this episode. Yeah, and I, and I love this uh, story of your viewing experience. We're lucky to have the screeners. Uh, we've joked about before, they do have our emails uh, right in the middle of the screen. Sometimes that's distracting, sometimes not. Uh, I think the worst moment, it was that moment in the solitary clone where he just had a very emotional close-up of Cody and he just was wearing my email as a mustache. <laughs> like, yes, that Halloween costume. Uh, but it, I, I feel like, so, so lucky to have these screeners because they are allowing me to get on top of our recording of Bad Batch, spend a little bit more time letting it sink in, all that great stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, I also just really, really love um, the Midnight Experience, but also the Bad Batch just harkens back to these days of having uh, a morning cartoon. So I sat down on a Friday morning and I was like, I'm going to have a Friday morning cartoon and mm-hmm. ended up uh, shedding a tear into my uh, English muffin. Uh, this mm-hmm. episode was uh, definitely... Uh, you know, I, I was not full on racking sobs, but, uh, but water did come from my eyes. I thought it was uh, really amazing. So I, I really enjoyed uh, that experience of being able to view it uh, is a is a nice light morning cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <There's some laughs> darkness to it. A yes. dark leading to hope, much like comedy darkness that leads to hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, was was my experience. So we're getting into our overall reactions to the episode itself as well. What was your overall reaction? I'm sensing that you loved it. Uh, is that correct? Oh, uh, yeah, I did. I there's just a real sense of warmth that emerges from, from uh, at times a sad episode, an episode that, that confronts trauma head on, um, uh, trauma um, experienced by children specifically. We're talking to uh, talk about that here, but the sadness of Gunji, all all of it though, led to just a lot of warmth, the connection, the tribe, the home. Uh, Yana, the character, this kind of matriarch uh, of this uh, particular Wookiee tribe. I loved all that. And I, I think you and I are in a line of this. So I, I don't want to take any words away from you, sir. But I, I love, and I don't mean this snark with, with some snark or, or um, a bite. I love that Gunji is back not to give you answers, but back to find his own way forward. Mm-hmm. There's no big reveals, uh, this and that. In fact, you don't even know. A lot of the information, again, we'll get into those details. I just thought it was real powerful to to use him in that way, to tell his story, not a story. Uh, he doesn't even speak much in this episode, right? Especially once we get to, there's a lot of reactions, a lot of like exploration, wonderment, sadness, uh, recovery. A lot of those things are going on with him and, and, and you see a lot through his eyes and you see his eyes. And that was a great way to deliver it. And I, I think... Um, We've always acknowledged the Bad Batch is often our view to the galaxy at this time, right? That's just mm-hmm. one of the things going on with the show. Not that they're not characters experiencing it, but 
we get to go around with them. And this, this was really clear. And that tactic was really meaningful this time around. Not that it hasn't been before, but it really got me that they're going around to this um, world and each world and each, in each uh, community and seeing the effects. And we get to feel it in this real powerful way. Yeah. A really visceral way. This was a visceral episode, both the, mm-hmm. the sadness, the horror and the joy in the community and the respect and all these great things that, that we'll talk about. Yeah. I've been so looking forward to this episode and it did not disappoint. Uh, Mm -hmm. I've been looking forward to it from a theoretical imagined way. Um, Mm -hmm. We talked a lot in in the first season when we were really enjoying the bad batch and realizing like, Oh wow, this is a tour of the horror of the empire at its inception and discussing, Hey man, could Quinlan Voss show up or someone else? We, We would love to see, uh, a Jedi. We would love for them to meet a Jedi because there are tour guides, the Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. So the Jedi are going through something that is similar to what the Bad Batch is going through. If they've lost everything. Now they need to find new identities. It'd be great to see that through a Jedi's eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've been waiting for a Jedi story. Uh, and then Gunji popped up in the trailer and everybody just roared with Wookiee excitement. And I was really excited for that character. Uh, you can check out our databank dive episode. We did a couple weeks ago about Gunji or Gungi, whatever you want to call him. We love that character. Um, so I was really looking forward to it and the episode, it, it didn't disappoint and it, it surprised in a, in a great way. Um, it, it sort of surprised me by sticking to its blasters about what the show is, you know, yeah. Um, I felt like exactly what you're saying, like overall, this episode absolutely made me feel the weight in the horror of this time period, like that everywhere you turn, there's destruction, uh, there's greed, there's horror. It's awful. But then within that, where where does the light remain? You know, mm-hmm. um, there's the moment in the Kenobi show where Obi-Wan is affected by seeing the etching on the wall. I, I don't remember the exact quote, but the etching is something along the lines of, you know, the light never dies. It may dim from time to time. That's a very bad paraphrasing, but that's the spirit of it. And I feel like that's so present in this of like, yep, the darkness is everywhere, but that doesn't mean that there aren't still uh, flickers and flames of light. And I just feel them in this episode. There, these ideas of respect, honor, home nature there's so much beauty in this dark dark episode you know um mm. and and on my my second viewing uh this morning to watch it without my email in it and to get some <laughs> screen captures and whatnot it, this this old old star wars story uh of the the wookies versus the trandoshans mm. the wookies versus the trandoshans just is light side versus dark side the way they respond to community and nature versus uh, greed and dominance and in all these things and, and i think that was so prevalent in the episode so that big picture stuff and, and then there's the the uh gunji specific stuff in this episode which mm-hmm. i was um i was surprised by it being exactly what uh what this show has been doing right mm. so exactly what you're saying when when gunji pops up in the in the trailers there's the joke slash hope did he rescue grogu right or yep. is yep. is this is he on a mission does he mm. know quinlan voss where is where is this going to lead us and all that stuff is great and exciting and and some shows uh tell those stories with those bigger connections uh but i feel like bad batch has just been a story of how are individuals making it at this moment in the galaxy so by being extremely direct and simple, this was a fresh Jedi story. This was a Jedi who just wants to go home. You know, I love that it isn't big. I love that it's not 
he he joined the path. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I love it that it's just what this child needs, right? Because he's yeah. a Padawan, right? And and just you know, going from the horror of Order sixty six to the most logical and most emotionally moving place uh, from that child's perspective, right? Of mm-hmm. basically I was, I was sent to magical boarding school as an infant, but mm-hmm. everyone there died and I have no one to ask. So I guess I'll go home mm-hmm. or try to the brutal simplicity of that was really beautiful and felt really fresh. Cause it isn't about like, it, we've seen a lot of great Jedi stories from Kenobi, from Cal Kestis to be like, how can I continue to be a Jedi in this time? And mm-hmm. he's younger. And he's just like, I, I sent this, I was sent to school. Everybody died. I guess I'll go home is a mm. different, fresh story. Yeah. You're saying some wonderful stuff here and, and why it was really moving and, and, and affecting and, and going back to that celebration stuff. And this is one of those things I, I think you and I have, have explained this before, maybe at the risk of uh, over explaining it, but I, I don't want to stop explaining thoughts on this of like you you go to celebration you see that trailer and you think maybe he rescued Grogu maybe we see how he escaped Order 66 maybe he joins the fight and then Kenobi comes out oh maybe he's part of the path maybe his name's on the wall all that stuff is wonderful and all that stuff could end up being revealed right and, 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 and Gunji could have been Grogu's savior who knows right all that stuff still, he might return the end of Bad Batch season two and be like I'm, uh, you know what I'm, I'm ready to join the fight he might he might wanting that stuff thinking about stuff getting excited about that stuff is, is certainly part of the fun and I, and I keep saying that because we want everyone to have fun here mm-hmm. uh, but when this episode went the direction it did I was excited and you and you kept you keep saying where we are absolutely going to discuss and it, it's child mm-hmm. even I have to admit coming out of celebration knowing he's popping back up I had a little bit of the yes he's here to pick up his blade and join the fight or he's off doing something else now that it can sync up and I forgot that Gungi is still a child Maybe, you know, you see Ahsoka, the precocious 14-year-old who uh, goes from snips to a hero, right? And and and, and it, it, you have that version, and maybe that was in my head. I don't know. But the fact that this was played as, as Gunji and Omega are children, but they don't mm-hmm. get them here, was a powerful, powerful thing. And a reminder, because even I just forgot, oh, he's a – Gunji is a name on a stat sheet for me. He's a Jedi out there for the fight, and that doesn't take into account what he actually is. Had a one on the loose uh, against um, you know against his will and way and and trying to find his way forward in this horrible time and that's why there's these great moments of wonder that the episode has where Gungi's mm-hmm. Gungi's face lights up in awe at seeing his people or seeing what they're doing uh, the little details we'll discuss and also the moment the moments of trauma him in a corner with his head down beautifully played that's how you do it and I, I loved everything about that. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're saying something uh, really good. I think there is a a power, and I I will admit, I think uh, I responded to it, and there's nothing wrong with it. The way uh, Gunji pops up in that trailer, right? We love Mm -hmm. the character. We want the character to win. Uh, We -hmm. know that the character has inherent power. He's a Wookiee and a Jedi Wookiee, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. He's passed the the trial of the, the gathering. He's been out in the galaxy. He survived Order 66. So, in this dark time, when in the trailer, when you see him roar and ignite his blade, hmm. my emotion is like, yeah, he's our hero. <laughs> Get their asses, you know? <laughs> and so I'm ready to fist pump for, for Gunji. And I think that's what it is, is that emotion, which is, which is fine and great, made me look past the most obvious thing of he's a child with no home. 
in yeah. the the fact that that's what the story was. I think that's uh, why it surprised me. I think that's a very uh, well observed on your part. Oh, thank you. I get one out of ten every now and then. No, <laughs> um, yeah, no, and and just uh, and again a reminder of, of of engaging with the story as it's presented. Something that. Uh, uh, it's been at the core of what we've done, I think, since you said that wonderful bumper sticker phrase a few years ago. Uh, and 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 I could admit coming into this feeling exactly what you're feeling. Yes, that saber's coming out. Maybe his buddy Quinlan's there. Let's go get him. And and that's not what the story wanted to do. And and, and, and to your point, of it, it Bad Batch has stuck to its blasters. I love that phrase, too, <laughs> uh, of, of doing what it wants to do and yeah. what it needs to do. Yeah, exactly. And then final final big picture thing for me is, uh, you know, wrestling with the pronunciation. Uh, his name is pronounced uh, 18 different ways in the arc of the Clone Wars that introduces him uh, us to him. Uh, I, I gravitated and stuck to Gungi for some reason. Uh, but since this episode is about respect, uh, he roared his name and it was translated by the Bad Batch as Gunji. I'm going to assume that that is the correct pronunciation and be respectful of Gunji. <laughs> there you go. People can stop tweeting or YouTube comment and uh, you're saying it wrong. All right. You can stop. Yeah, we're, we're on board. We're on board. <laughs> yep. We will be hmm. Team Gunji until something leads us away or we probably make multiple mistakes in this episode, but we'll try for Gunji. All mm-hmm. right. We've, we've tapped into some of the big ideas by talking about our overall reaction, but Let's drill down into some of the big specific themes and ideas. Uh, do you mind if I start with a, a big one, Ken? Oh, please, sir. So I think there's so much going on in this episode, and it's all intertwined. But one of the biggest ones to me is just this idea of, you know, where is home? Mm-hmm. And how does home help give us identity, help create who we are? Um I think it's pretty direct in what is actually happening to Gunji, you know, that he's been stripped of everything he knows. I think it's easy to kind of forget that for, for Jedi, the temple was their home. The actual Jedi were their, their family. Uh, So they lost their physical home. They lost their family and then they lost any trajectory in their life, right? Their, their purpose. He, He was training Gunji his whole life to be a Jedi, to be a defender of, peace and justice to be one with the force and uh, with the exception of maybe being one with the force almost all of that is is stripped of him so he has mm. no identity because it was based in this in this group in this place it's gone so yeah. it's then fascinating for him to just go like okay what do i do with with none of this mm. oh i guess I'll, I'll return home uh but then we get this great thread that's woven throughout the episode of there are some parts of him that are intrinsically Wookiee, intrinsically of Kashyyyk. Mm. But the the thing that brought tear to my, tears to my eyes was, but he doesn't quite know the ways of his people, of his planet. Some he does, some he senses, mm. some are intrinsic or natural. But th- those beats where, uh, you know, Omega asks him, do you remember anything about this planet? And he, mm. he roars and it gets translated for us, uh, from my dreams. Mm. Mm. Uh, and, and then when they're, they're, they're first just trying to bring him to a village that they have a contact in. Right. And then that doesn't work. And then, you know, when the, the bad batch is, is talking to Yana, like we're trying to take him home, but he doesn't know what village he's from. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I loved how it seemed like he was either a little bit ambivalent, uh, or just plain didn't quite know this Wookiee, um, intimacy move. Mm-hmm. of touching foreheads right 
it, it's a fascinating thing for for me to be sitting at home watching this imaginary species and going uh, canonically. I know you 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 forehead touch, right? But this poor <laughs> character, this poor Gunji, doesn't necessarily know that uh, that great look of him uh, watching all of the other Wookies commune with the trees. Something that's probably familiar to him conceptually, it, it being mm-hmm. a Jedi who communes with nature, but still kind of watching and learning his own culture, you yeah. know, and reconnecting to it. So I, I really thought that was a, a lot of the beauty of Gunji's actual journey. And then I, I love that it mirrors not only Omega's journey, which gets called out, but the reason I wanted to start from this place is I think it, it, it this journey of Gunji in this one episode mirrors to me, the entire show. This is the story of the bad batch. The same thing happened to them, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Their home is gone, their purpose is gone, and they are wrestling week after week after week to go, who do we want to be? We, we, we don't have our purpose. We don't have our home. We're in touch with ourselves. We know who we are. We know what we believe in. But what noun can we attach to that? How can we go about our days and provide for ourselves and, and be who we want to be? So mm-hmm. I wanted to start from there and hear what your thoughts were. I think it's a it's a wonderful place to start, and and you're talking about the Jedi Temple's a home. We know Camino is gone. That was a home for for them from away. Omega in a way, almost said Amiga, uh, uh, which would be maybe even correct. Uh, <laughs> and and the connection with Kashika. We'll talk about the dreams a moment. I'm sure, uh, even in, in lore connections, canon stuff. Um, and then the flip side of that is, is what I think drove it home even more powerfully for me is. The empire, and it's clearly stated, is destroying homes, destroying communities. That's not new to us, but I, I, I think it's important to concentrate on that and what the what the what the effects of that are. Right? What's the fallout of that? It's not just about resources. That's very much a big part of it because that's why the empire is there. That's why they're paying the Trandoshans to to burn down this land and and, and raise it to its uh, roots there. And, and this connects to things we, you know, you and I have talked about and and love to explore in Solo and. And what we see in Andor, this this keeps coming back for a reason. In this 19-year period between the, the films and now these shows filling in, just continues to drive home that thing. It's not just a territorial grab by the Empire. It's destroying individuals down to what their core is. And uh, to have that driven home at the end with both uh, Omega and uh, Gunji sitting there. Uh, uh, you know, all of, all of them looking for a new version of home, a tribe, a family, and and perhaps, uh, you know, one day we all will need to find a new path. And, and they're in that thing. And, and the Empire stands in the way, not just because they're this big menacing uh, soldier at the end of the tunnel, but because they've they've removed so much of the infrastructure of your own soul here across the mm. country. Oh, the, the, there's a great and horrible bumper sticker phrase, the infrastructure <laughs> of your soul. And I love that point. Yeah, because it this episode goes out of its way to remind us uh, they're not just mining resources to do what they want to do, uh, you know, the the empire uh palpatine in particular knows that people will get strength through uh having place having Mm -hmm. community having culture right he's taking everything from people on purpose so they feel utterly powerless which which ties back to why i was kind of thinking of this uh big picture idea of you know where is home and how does it give us identity you know Mm -hmm. um and I think it's really fascinating to try to put yourself into the perspective of the Bad Batch or, or Gunji to to really feel the depth of this of like, mm-hmm. how do you define home? You know, if, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, it almost even, even as a question to you, Ken, if you had to leave your house, 
if you couldn't be in the state, California, if you couldn't be with your partner, you couldn't do podcasts, um, <laughs> right? It would suck. But also just in the infrastructure of your soul, as you said, mm. if you had been stripped of these things that are your like sort of primary identifiers in your own mind, who would you be? How would you find identity again? Man, that's a scary question. Yeah, it's like why the, the why of the stuff that I do. And I think uh, even it's taken years to discover. Like I, I get in front of microphones not just to entertain, but hopefully provide comfort and uh, uh, companionship to those in need, right? And and how do I find that without this stuff is, is where I'd have to go into, I guess. That's a deep question for a Wednesday morning, sir. But uh, <laughs> I, I think that's where I would head. But yeah. What can you do? And, and and look, I'll tell you, you know, you know how it affects me? You, you know, again, this is, this is a chosen career path, uh, entertainment in general, but usually microphones one inch or two inches from my face. Um, you know, the prospect of, well, do I have to go get another job to supplement income? What do I have to do? And, you know, job's a job, but that seems to be separating me from what I am and who I am, right? And that's the, mm-hmm. the fear attached to it. And, and, and how can I keep myself through that time, which is also something I struggled in in a day job, not just talking about professions here. It's, it's deeper than that, but um, that job wasn't me, but man, it sure took a lot of me. And, mm-hmm. and that's a, a sense of home I have. Uh, yeah, maybe. Mm, all right. I'm going to go make some notes. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I don't, I don't need to go into uh, uh, my own life history, but I've had those moments where I've, I've lost things that I are part of my identity or, or, or been afraid to let things go because I feel like they help form my identity. And, and when you're separated from those things, mm. it forces you to go on this, this infrastructure of your soul journey like you just did and say, mm. why do I do this? And, and if those things were taken from me and I couldn't, how else would I respond to this core mm. need, this core instinct? Um, and, uh, I, I really think that's, what's going on at the heart of this episode, but also the heart of bad batch. You know, I, I think, you know, that this moment at the end where, uh, Hunter and Yana are kind of looking at them and going they're yo man, they're, they're both kids. They shouldn't have to go through this. And in Yana, this, this, you know, wise elder, uh, says as this child has found his new home, perhaps one day we will all find a new path. And it's almost like Yana's just like, yeah, I just I met you, Hunter, but I, <laughs> but I saw through your soul that that's where you are at too. That you are still trying to find your new path. That that yeah. you know a lot of what makes you who you are, but you've been separated from it. So how are you going to find a new path where you can truly reconnect with yourself? Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, some other uh, big ideas uh, that I got that I want to discuss, but I also want to hear what how you kind of uh, broke down the episode of what the big ideas were for you. Yeah, two other big ones for me, but uh, kind of uh, dovetailing out of what you just were talking about, particularly with Hunter at the end and, and then the batch itself. This episode for me, um, again, art speaks to you in, in specific ways sometimes as an individual. I, I put down intent and purpose, and this began with these uh, spiders, by the way. I might be okay with no more spiders in Star Wars for a while. We keep getting wonderful design spiders that freak me out a little bit. It's no different, but they're wonderful creatures and they sacrificed for the cause here. But the spiders won't attack you unless you pose a threat. I, I think we've heard that kind of stuff before in Star Wars, right? We, we kind of get that. Uh, raise a fist, get a fist, that type of mentality. I, mm-hmm. I think that's there. But I took it as this. What are you here for? It's almost as if the spiders were asking that. What is your intent? What is your purpose? You're t- and they're saying this to the Bad Batch. Yeah, Gun- Gunji right away kind of, you know, like you said earlier, he he doesn't know this world outside of dreams, but he knows to, he knows put the weapon down and let me put a hand out and feel through the force. Let me communicate and let me get 
you know, let me connect with this, these organics, so to speak. And, and um, a lot of that goes into other stuff later. We're going to get to the Wookiees and the trees and everything. But mm-hmm. I just think the, the purpose of your actions was all through this episode. Uh, the, this was uh, a, a maybe, uh, you know, this starts with, this starts with uh, a, a run, a mission for the Bad Batch. It's a, a, another delivery and they're, you know, uh, got chain codes, they're forging all that stuff. But it had darker implications, which, by the way, I love that Echo and Omega are the ones kind of on the outside going, eh, we got a bad feeling about this. Mm-hmm. And so it, turns, uh, turns, um, it turns what uh, is, is a, you know, a normal mission. They, they got to have, they got to analyze their intent and purpose of what they're doing going about the galaxy. And they have, a, they clearly have a code. You can't transport living beings. You can't do that. But I wonder if this is one of those episodes that, that, that you will look back on. And even though it's not, this episode doesn't end with Hunter going, we shall now fight the Empire. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do that, but it pushes pushes them to analyze, continue to analyze the intent and purpose. And I think we're moving to that big kind of thing. And I like the way we're handling it. Um, so that's, that is there. And that flows. Uh, I absolutely want to get your thoughts on that. And that flows in this idea that comes to the episode of, of being an ally and what that truly means. But mm. it all begins with your intent and purpose here. No, I, I agree. I think we're really going to to uh, similar places with uh, with uh, different uh, titles. Uh, I, I really <laughs> thought about everything you're talking about uh, is sort of this ongoing question of the Bad Batch of what's worth fighting for. Um, mm-hmm. And I really agree with you. Uh, the Bad Batch is, you know, particularly Hunter is not ready to just plunge into rebellion, right? To proactively attack the Empire like Sagrera or, or you know, Rex is, it, it would appear, is doing sort of isolated missions. When that Those are more about rescuing people, but he is actively doing something, right? And mm-hmm. Hunter's got this push-pull of just like, just take care of your family. Take care of this kid, Omega, which is clearly a concern in this episode. And I'm not ready to just go like, our whole life is about, you know, throwing ourselves out there against this big evil. Um, but he's not also entirely comfortable with the jobs that Sid is doing and is sending them on. And I thought this was a great reminder of that. You, you know, you touched on this. Uh, when they're getting off the ship, uh, Hunter says, Sid said the Vanguard Axis is notorious for illegal smuggling. And you know, Hunter's going like, please, 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 just let it be chain coast. Please, please, mm-hmm. right? I think that's why he specifically has Echo and Omega wait. Because I think he knows like, yeah, this one's going to be on the line of the kind of jobs we do, but we need money. I need to keep the family safe. These are the two who are going to have a problem, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not convenience. It's uh, really accurate to the character, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we start the episode with this reminder mm-hmm. that Hunter and therefore the rest of the Bad Batch are, are dabbling in murky moral grounds that they're not n- incredibly happy about. And then for me, the entire rest of the episode is a checklist of, of lines where Hunter goes, okay, well, but not this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is actually a lot of things when you break it down, right? Hunter's normally the one who's like, oh, God, I'm not sure about this and okay. Mm-hmm. And oh, all right. Uh, but right away we get family when the family's in danger, right? I, they didn't get paid for those chain codes, right? Uh, mm-hmm. That great quote of the cause that blaster fires either echo or Omega, right? And there's no, there's no question about that. Of course he's protecting echo and Omega, right? Family. Uh, yeah. That's a line that can't be crossed. Um, the selling humans that's a line that can't be crossed for hunter and he says it explicitly right you can't smuggle living beings to vanguard axis droids uh just general child endangerment right uh he that's that's a line that you can't cross with hunter uh he, he says uh we came because uh gunji was in trouble jedi or not he's still a child he needs his people 
uh, so we're getting all these things where like hunters normally like, okay, well, let's just deal with the, the murky reality so that mm-hmm. I can protect my immediate family and we can get by and push off this question of, you know, who are we ultimately? What's our noun? Uh, and then this episode is a laundry list of like, okay, but not that, but not that, mm-hmm. but not that. Mm-hmm. So it kind of had me uh, fist pumping for, for Hunter um, mm-hmm. because it was this reminder of like, yeah, he's trying to be cautious, but this is who he is. These are his core values on display in this episode. Mm. They, wonderful. I, I, I put down, uh, I put down compassion, action, compassion, and action. And that <laughs> slides into me, for me, a little bit into what you're saying, this, this hunter checklist. I love that. It's like, it used to be uh, in baseball card packs, you get the very boring checklist card, but at least you knew what you needed to collect after that. I think Hunter's got his checklist card and it's starting to add up or it's a Google sheet with an auto sum and it's starting to add up on the bottom to rebel and it's slowly yep. working its way because it is who he is. Yep. Yep. And and I thought within that of the sort of the what's worth fighting for, there's also this idea that that you were touching on of of allies. I think that is also on Hunter's checklist of like, you don't abandon allies. He's like, Echo's on Hunter all the time, right? I mean, even when they don't have dialogue, Echo's just eye drilling Hunter (laughs) in episodes (laughs) that they should be doing more, right? Yeah. Uh, And and Echo says, hey, the Wookiees were our allies for years. And he gets no argument from Hunter, right? Right. Um, so I think this idea of allies is really brought up. And then if you break down the actual actions of the episode, it is great, classic Star Wars stuff of of stronger together. And you help one person, they help you. Um, even at the very beginning, uh, Omega, you know, helps Gungi. And in that same scene, you know, right when Omega is cornered by one of the droids, uh, Gungi pops out and rescues her, right? Uh, then the Bad Batch gets to Kashyyyk. They rescue that Wookiee captive. That Wookiee captive immediately comes back and rescues mm-hmm. them. Uh, you know, it, to that point where, you know, at the end, Hunter is really preaching the idea of allies and stronger together. When at first, yeah. Jan is like, well, they're coming. We, we just got to go. And the Bad Batch is like, no, Hunter, Hunter is the one who makes the argument. No, stay and fight. You don't have to do this alone. Even the trees are allies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everything about our heroes, everything about the Wookiees is coded as you help someone, they will come and help you. We are all allies stronger together. Yeah. And what I like for, for me, I looked at, you know, kind of analyzing what that means. And, and you're saying some wonderful stuff here. The great, the great quote from Hunter to Yana, if you don't have to do this alone. I thought that was really powerful. Uh, but that they, that the Wookiees kind of were in a way prepared, not just to run and survive. I wouldn't say it's uh, you know, running away from a fight just to survive another day. I think that's valuable too. But this idea of, of being an ally, I, I, Hunter doesn't fully understand this land. Uh, they, they, he doesn't understand the way. Uh, he has that great quote of, oh, the, the trees have a plan? All right. He doesn't <laughs> fully understand it. And I think uh, one of the things for me, this is a personal take maybe, but in, in order to be an ally, uh, I don't have to understand everything about another person's path, decisions, or choices. They, they don't need my understanding. They need they need my support. And that's mm-hmm. the beginning of the relationship. And it goes from there. And then it becomes symbiotic, like you're saying, and Gobi-Wan would tell you. Um, <laughs> and I just thought that was a, a play a lot too, where all of it totally makes sense. And it's all powerful and it's we're together, community stronger. But also, you know, I, I, I am I'm not of this land. I'm not, I'm not Kashyyyk. Uh, uh, you know, I'm not on Kashyyyk. I'm not, I'm not a Wookiee. But it isn't about that. I'm here I'm here for you because you're here for us. And that's, that's, that's all we need right here. That's all an ally needs is just support. 
and 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 the rest will come and we'll be stronger together. I just thought that was to break it down to that level, down to even the trees and how the Wookiees viewed it. Because the, the Wookiees don't even view it as their land. They view it as the trees land. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, no, you're saying a bunch of stuff I love. I think that's really a great perspective that Hunter is really saying, we would like to help you fight. You don't have to do this alone. I am asking, I'm offering and asking if you want that support. And then it is 100% your call how we fight, right? Mm-hmm. They're not pulling any like, we are, we're soldiers. We know tactics. They're like, the trees, great, you know, yeah. uh, which I think is really good. And, and I, and I want to, I want to talk more about that, that general theme. But, but one thing I wanted to point out while we're on this, this point of allies mm-hmm. in the, uh, the, the circle of help, uh, it's so great to pull in this, this classic Wookiees versus Trandosians, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and not all Trandoshans <laughs> are Skier. awful. Skier, you know, we're looking at you. You're good. Looking at Skier, looking at Sid even, who, mm. who has, I think, you know, uh, a heart of gold under uh, under those scales. <laughs> scales of, of uh, perhaps self-interest, a heart of gold. Um, th- everything that these Trandoshans are doing is about disrespect. It's mm. about competition. It's about dominance, right? There's that line where where uh, Commander Venomore offers 100 Wookiee pelts <laughs> to whoever finds the Jedi. So instead of let's all work together to find the Jedi, mm. let's make it about competition. And it's mm. kind of a, a comic moment, but like he's so desperate to get the kill on uh, Gunji. You know, he, he whips out that flamethrower <laughs> and burns one of his own Trandoshan people. And, yeah. you know, on on one level it's like yeah the, yeah great the the good guys are doing good guys stuff the bad guys are doing bad guy stuff but exactly how it is constructed that it is the difference between offering help allyship respect versus everybody is in it for themselves even a team who are allegedly working together are always in competition with one another yeah those ideas are important and resonant because I do feel strongly that they, they uh, echo into our real world. And in my opinion, a lot of our real world problems of, you know, when, when I talk about worrying about competition, it's not about sitting down and enjoying a football game. It's about making everything in life a competition because it, it gets into this headspace of everyone is out for themselves. Like we, we can say nice things, mm-hmm. but the truth is Venomore is right. We're all out for ourselves. So an mm-hmm. episode like this that argues the opposite is, is really powerful to me. Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely love that. And, and, and stand right there with you on how these kind of things and analyzing these kind of things, help you look at the, some of the stuff that goes on out there in the real world. Like we're in some star Wars bubble, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. out there. Um, and, and, and it does stuff there. Look, you, you, you and I are in a, in a, in a, in a industry, a space where it's like, uh, uh, you know, power, dominance, uh, rage clicks are going to get you a uh, seemingly lot far farther than uh, those uh, other folks, and 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 it can be daunting, overwhelming. It can be sad, but but who are those folks? And I think they've already lost the battle. Changes here, and there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, only fight against it, I guess. And 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 that's only going to go so far. And, and you're eating each other up, and you're destroying everyone. And and I see it time and time again. And and Star Wars being a, a tale of so many things, but a tale of good versus evil, right? We, the good versus bad, right? Uh, mm-hmm. To analyze the why and the what and the how of what bad is, I think it's very important and very sometimes maybe overlooked uh, about the individual things. It's a funny beat. He burns his uh, fellow, uh, you know, egg mate or whatever, nest mate, whatever. Um, that can be 
it was kind of played, not funny, but action funny, whatever you want to look mm-hmm. at it. But oh, it's, yeah, it's in the actions, right? Exactly. Yeah. Your, your point is, uh, sorry, your point of, you know, <laughs> let's not work together to find the Jedi. You find it, you win. It's <laughs> important. You break it down to a micro level of what's going on here. This is what Star Wars is constantly communicating, which is why I believe it's such a powerful uh, a story in our in our society and culture and history. It's, yeah. it's important to look at these things that way. And you follow a little like Venomore. Ken, mm-hmm. if you were one of those Trandosians and you found Gunji, do you think Venomore would actually give you 100 Wookiee pelts? <laughs> or do you think he would murder you and take credit? Yeah. 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 I, I, I think I, uh, I choose the murder option. <laughs> well, let's move from murder to uh, this other big idea that I think we're both uh, uh, circling around, which is this overall theme of, uh, I just wrote down respect. Yeah. Um, you can get into the details, but there's respect uh, from the Bad Batch for uh, Gunji, respect for nature, um, mm-hmm. just kind of respect for, for each other in, in lots of different ways. Um, diving in a little bit, uh, I think it just it, it kicks off with just so much respect from the various members of the Bad Batch for Gunji's pain and perspective, right? Mm-hmm. There is no pushback on how a Jedi would feel about them, right? Uh, Omega's always out. Uh, out to help people and curious to learn other people's perspective. But that, that mm-hmm. hunter starts right away with like, you know, when Omega's like, well, you know, just cause he's scared doesn't mean he shouldn't eat, you know, it's all mm-hmm. happy and glowing and Hunter's saying like, he doesn't trust us. And tech saying, well, see now all clones were given an order to execute the Jedi. He has good reason to be cautious. Like it, it's nothing but respect for Gungi's uh, perspective. Mm-hmm. Gunji. Uh, and then also I just feel like, you know, over the years of Star Wars, you know, um, sometimes there are jokes about, you know, Wookiees. Sometimes they're kind of like a fun sidekick character, right? And then sometimes mm-hmm. they're treated with, like, great respect. And there, there wasn't anything too sort of like, uh, we can talk about, about Wrecker <laughs> getting into Wookiee culture. Uh, but I just think the way that Hunter and Tech made a point of interpreting and communicating with Gunji. And true, there was no, mm-hmm. like, I don't know what he's saying, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, I know Kashyyyk, or I know Shirawook, and it's a little rusty, and Tech ripping out his device and wanting everyone in the group to know what Gunji was saying and thinking. Communication mm-hmm. and allowing for communication and wanting to understand what somebody else has to say is respect. So I just, I just thought mm-hmm. the episode starts from this perspective of respect from the Bad Batch uh, to this poor mm-hmm. lost Wookiee child. Yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it. The, the understanding the why of, of, of why they are there in front of you, right? And and not um, – I you said something earlier that I really love too about it's great that Bad Batch is like, we're going to help you. But then they're not like, cool, here's our map. Uh, we're going to tell you what to do. It's uh, how can we help, right? And there's a big difference. Um, and if someone says, cool, I, I don't know, do you got any ideas? Then, then it's open for you to whip out that map. But uh, I think it all is about respect, respect for the person. They're trying to understand the perspective. Um great way to look at it even the, the example of uh you know i don't know echo and the wookie soup is <laughs> not for me and then comes around to understanding a little bit more and i'll give it a try and look i'm rewarded for something new i'm rewarded for this uh you know, something new and different in my life uh and it all does flow out of respect i love the moment you're highlighting the moment of of um omega with her, her pure of heart right i got he's got to eat he's got to and it's just almost like Give him a moment. <laughs> Get, look, look, give him a moment um, because uh, respecting who they are and what they, uh, what's brought them here. Important stuff. Yeah. 
give him, yeah, give, give him a little space and, and let's mm -hmm. communicate so he knows who we are, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it, there was, uh, you know, not, not subtle, but there was just so much respect for nature uh, and mm -hmm. for Wookiee culture, right? I mean, this is classic Star Wars stuff of the, you know, the flowing and the organic and yeah. nature and the cycles of nature are to be understood, respected. Um, you know, uh, Gunji uh, showing the, the Kinrath spider creatures that don't pose a threat, you know, it, it, the, the good side of his Jedi training, right? Um, mm -hmm. I, I loved how this kind of episode uh, really reminded us of kind of Hunter's skills, right? Uh, he's a tracker, right? He, he's he's mm -hmm. a little bit coded as, uh, you know, being a little bit more understanding of, of nature and what nature is trying to tell you. Right. And I loved mm -hmm. him, you know, Hunter, you know, almost cutting an ad with Smokey the bear with just immediately getting those shovels out. Right. Cause that, that's a detail that was not needed for the episode. Right. It could have mm -hmm. just been like, yeah, there's some fires. They, they, you know, go out, don't worry about it. Yeah. yeah. But that they stop and use the shovels to, to stop the flames from spreading is, you know, a reminder of, you know, the contrast between the Bad Batch and the horror uh, uh, that the Empire is stripping this planet of resources, you know, so there's all that respect for nature, but then so much with Wookiee culture, right? Uh, the communing with the trees and the way we text says they believe the the planet belongs to the trees. There's, there's no joke about that. The way Hunter says the trees have a plan, whatever they say, like we're mm -hmm. talking about, like it, it, it's kind of acknowledged of Hunter being like, cool. Don't know what that means, but I'm going with it. You know, yeah. it's it, it's not a look at these weirdos, right? Um, yeah, the the trying their food thing of uh, of record getting really into it, and yeah, like you're just saying, Echo going yeah, and then trying it afterwards. Hmm. Um, hmm. And then in contrast for that, what we were talking about uh, earlier, another great detail that didn't need to be in the episode, but is there to drive these points home, is the horror and villainy of Venomor destroying the carved stones, right? Those aren't mm -hmm. resources. Those mm -hmm. aren't Wookiees who are uh, resisting. That's just, you. we want to strip you of everything. The infrastructure of your soul, as you said. Just right. We want to destroy your culture. The fact that he's offering a hundred Wookiee pelts, you know, mm. uh, it, it is, it, it's, you know, all in contrast to what the Bad Batch is doing of, you know, respecting Wookiee culture. Yeah, and and, and uh, you know, you said earlier, even from the trees, some of the some of the stuff is repeating themes uh, from Star Wars, and I, I I often love that, but it just shows different versions of it and drives the point home um, for this morality tale we love so much. I, I do feel bad about picking on Trandoshans, but you know, proofs in the pudding a little bit here. So, <laughs> look, yes, we, we're not saying uh, we're not forgetting Seeker, we're not forgetting Sid, uh, yeah. we're not forgetting, yeah, the the. Great. I need to look up her name, but uh, Bosk's sister from that great right. short story uh, yeah. in the uh, from a certain point of view, Emperor Strikes Back book. Um, yeah, but but that was a kind of a joy for me, too, of like some of this Wookiee imagery. Right. That that mm -hmm. goes back to the holiday special. Right. And um, mm -hmm. the, the Wookiee Trandoshan rivalry has been a thing in Star Wars for years and years and years. So, so to see kind of a, a fresh brand new episode of Star Wars uh, kind of dealing in, in really old ideas was fun as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, final big thought for me is um, it's kind of a nuance on a lot of the things we've been talking about of, you know, the, the respect and the understanding and what's worth fighting mm -hmm. for. But the episode had a ton of mirroring of we've talked about that with uh, Omega. That's a consistent mm -hmm. thing right? when she's looking up to a mentor like a Hunter or Fee in, in last week's episode, l the literal mirroring as she's learning. Um, explicit lines of you know 
comparing Omega to to Gunji as as mm-hmm. child warriors who, who don't have the space to be children. There's that shot of them fighting side by side and they kind of look at each other as if to say, like, we're in this together, we're the same. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of played for comedy, but but Wrecker, there's nothing mocking about about Wrecker's Wookiee roar and enjoying the soup. It's it's finding similarity, right? It's mm-hmm. going like, mm-hmm. this stuff is all awesome, right? Um, yeah. There's the mirroring at the end of Hunter and Yana kind of commiserating as, you know, the elders of their group are, who are, are burdened with, with mm-hmm. the care of this group, including the younglings. There, there's so much direct kind of one-to-one as well as Gunji's entire journey mirroring the Bad Batch's overall journey in, mm-hmm. in the show. Uh, and the reason I bring it up is I, just for me, uh, total personal opinion, I think um, th- there can be buzzwords, you know, uh, like mm-hmm. diversity that that can, uh, I think sometimes we, we're at risk of... Ooh, we say these words so much that, that we get disconnected from their deepest meaning, you know? Really uh, good, yeah. And, and to me, when I think about uh, diversity, it, it's, it's this. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's, it's um, mm-hmm. learning from what is different uh, and celebrating what is different while also drawing comfort from what is the same. It, it, it's, not, mm-hmm. it, it's not, turns out we're all the same. It's, we are different. But yet there are these similarities too, and there those the differences and the similarities are to be celebrated, and, and I feel like that's what's going on in all this mirroring. I no, I love that. I love that as a concept. It, it, it something that I'm, you know, I, I say a lot is the shared unique experience of even being a Star Wars fan. Mm. It's important to us here at at, at Force Center. It really, truly is. Especially especially these days, you know, some stuff recently with some some attacks on fans who, who have uh, maybe a, a different look, feel, perspective, and lifestyle than you. What, what, a, what a, a counter um, way, what a counter to Star Wars, everything Star Wars stands for, right? And, and, and how we all are here to love this Star Wars thing. We all have some things we love, but we all bring something different to it. And we can learn from each other's joy while also um, sharing in the same joys. And that's just on a Star Wars level. Uh, when that flows on out into the real world, uh, I, I think you're really right there. And, and I do agree, you know, sometimes, you know, I even joke like nuance has become this word. I don't know what it means to a lot of people now. It just <laughs> great Jedi. Like, it's just, I don't like, what does that really mean to you? You know, and it just becomes a, a buzzword out there and, and it can truly lose, like you said, the meaning, but the, the why behind it, Yeah, why it's important. And I, I really like what you said in this episode of uh, them going through this here. Uh, it is truly a shared, unique uh, adventure for, for everyone involved in this episode. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, any other final big picture thoughts for you before we take a break? I guess I just want to highlight a little bit of the things we've kind of dumped into all the all the individual themes we talked about. But the fact that this does focus on two children. You mentioned the line at the end with Hunter. They don't they don't get to be children, and and, and a lot has to do with the war and the situation going on around. But but the, the Star Wars being this generational tale, and and you see you know the triggers of trauma in in Gunji um, are very clear, and and Omega might be still doing that and, and how Star Wars is, I think, always commenting on that about what you're doing today affecting those coming up behind you and, and, and why it's important to analyze it. And you see some of the, the results of it, even if some of it might be done with good good intentions, right? Um, a, a rebellion or um, a, a war against uh, you know, the, 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 the Clone Wars, whatever. There might be some good intentions, but, but look behind you. And I think this episode looks behind 
all these characters to see what's uh, what's being experienced by these children. They're referred to as children in this episode. Mm -hmm. No, I I so agree with you. And I think it's really, really good uh, to highlight that because I think it is also what's at stake so much for Hunter. I think it's one of the reasons he's not just like, yeah, let's go blasters Mm -hmm. blazing. Let's fight the empire. You know, it's like this, this is a child (laughs) and she's competent and she wants to go out there and explore the galaxy. We need to support that. But also I just feel like Hunter, like I I think he's, you know, waking up at night in sweats, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. not literally physical sweats in sweating, uh, waking up at night, sweating, you know, uh, you wondering if he's, you know, taught uh omega you know how, how to stop drop and roll <laughs> yeah yeah though i would like some bad batch sweats now that you mention it there be all, right. be all right i would absolutely be down for that merch all right those are some of the big picture ideas we're gonna take a quick break and then we'll be back to discuss uh, some favorite moments some action some comedy some canon all that great stuff in just a moment also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? 
Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. And we are back to continue our discussion of season two, episode six of the Bad Batch Tribe. Uh, we are going to talk action. There is definitely some action in uh, this very moving episode. Ken, did you have some favorite action moments? I did. Let me start here. Uh, it, it's it's a gungy roll call <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> of things. And you and I, obviously, even this episode, we always want to analyze the why and, and how you fight and what's your intent and purpose. But there's a lot of moments in this episode where Gunji's just fighting back right away, and I loved it. From the beginning, the moment he has a, a window of opportunity to fight for his life, to fight for his survival, Omega kind of creates it. He's into the fight. And uh, it emerges a couple times uh, later on because I think there's a powerful why. There's a few probably powerful whys behind Gunji's ap- action. But I just like that at the beginning of the episode. He's he's in captivity, and the moment he's like, I, I got to go. This is my moment. And I, I, I love that start. Yeah, no, I, I did too. And, and I think, um, you know, he, he just kind of, he's, he's, he's fighting to survive, right? Uh, mm-hmm. who, who knows if he already got out of some containment and that's why they're, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, prodding him. Um, but you know, the moment that's from the trailer, getting to see it in its full glory of the lightsaber uh, being called to his, mm-hmm. his wonderful mm-hmm. Wookiee paw <laughs> mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. big roar. Uh, it, it was really fun to see it in context to see like, uh, the Bad Batch going, oh, oh, that's what we're dealing with. Yeah. Oh, the, the, there's a great couple great little beats of, of Omega's face when she's kind of watching him kind of call the saber. But when it happens, there's such a like, like exactly what you did. Oh, just the, the, the picture gets big. And I love you talk about the context of the episode. Again, I, I maybe going back to repeating what we were talking about at the beginning. Great moment in the trailer. We 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 witnessed that one live, right? Oh God, so great, so wonderful, wonderful. Uh, but to get the full context of it, it it, it wasn't this um, classic. The Jedi is here to fight. It, it's about survival. It's about identity. It's about the the need for that weapon in that moment. As simple of of who he was and maybe who he can be again. So the context of it was even more powerful. Yeah, and then there's also that extra weight of you know not that we don't need more reasons to uh, to dislike the Vanguard Access droids, but uh, <laughs> we as an audience know what he went through to make that cool blade. <laughs> yes. You know, with the, with the Wookiee, with the Kashyyyk wood, uh, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so it's like, yes, give him back his lightsaber. So that first lightsaber ignite and roar is, uh, is up there for me. Yeah, it really is. What are some other moments for you? Um, Sticking with 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 Gunji, uh, uh, jumping on a droid's head and just stabbing. <laughs> I think it's when he saves the uh, Omega there. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I thought it was great to see that. Like, uh, he he's been progressing in his his Jedi training. I think you know, mm-hmm. connecting with the uh, the spiders, the uh, creatures, the Kinrath uh, was definitely Jedi. But uh, I also mm-hmm. liked when there. I think it's the first fight with Trandosians. Uh, he does that those double chest kicks where it's moving real mm-hmm. fast, but mm-hmm. it feels like. I landed on your chest. I'm standing on you and kicking you at the same time. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> that was a good Jedi action move for me. <laughs> Love that there. True, true Jedi action there. I'm going to assume that you have this one on your list as well. Moving on to the old the mm-hmm. old Bad Batch. Um, the perspective shot of uh, Hunter just 
cold cock in that Grand Ocean <laughs> in the tank. Oh, is, uh, no, beautiful no. and scary. Uh, yeah, no, I did. I, I, yeah, no, I did love, I, I love that moment. It's so funny. I didn't write that one down, but there was another perspective shot I wanted to talk about. And I was like, Oh my God, did Joseph guess that? Uh, um, you, you didn't, I still have one up my sleep. Um, <laughs> no, I uh, yeah, no, there's just something about, uh, just a punch. <laughs> yes. Punch. Yep. Just, and just the Trandoshan looking like what's going on. And then here it comes, here it comes. Uh, what was your, what was your perspective shot? So it, it's not, it, it's not a like big giant action moment, but it, it just, I loved it. And, it, and there's so much action behind it. Uh, when they, when they leave um, the Vanguard uh, access, access droids uh, base, which by the way, I love the design of that base. Another mm-hmm. weird shot. I, I thought it was a great Star Wars base. Uh, there's a great shot from behind Gunji as the ship's leaving. And we get his view of, of, of almost like this, this, this view of, of his, his freedom that he, he, mm. he headed there again. And the journey begins, his new journey begins. I thought it was a great, great thing, great direction. Great, great, great. Uh, you know, uh, love to see the storyboards behind it. Just, I love yeah. that moment. It's such a wonderful action. We always joke this in, in this, sh- this uh, uh, episode does have a ship landing, right? We always ships landing mm-hmm. and taking off are big in this series and Clone Wars too. And, and and that was a real powerful, different way to look at it. They really wanted you to see it from his point of view as they get out of there. Yeah, no, that's a great perspective shot. Um, mm-hmm. This is this is not as deep. This is just uh, in, enjoying uh, the cathartic violence. Uh, the the cat creatures, which in the subtitles are just called you know, creatures, so uh, I think mm-hmm. they must not have a canonical name yet. Uh, it's of course a, a great Star Wars moment when they the the Wookiees are riding them into the into the final battle. Great plan, trees. Uh, mm-hmm. But when mm-hmm. that cat creature just does that casual backhand to the Trandoshan. It it would it would totally had the vibe of a cat knocking a thing off its shelf just because it wants to. <laughs> but just boop. Yeah. This small little boop and then bye-bye Trandoshan. Uh, that was great. Uh, that was great. I love those. Those, those, are, uh, those are... It was also, by the way, I, I maybe forgot to say, say it up top. I love spending more time on Kashyyyk because we really haven't, outside of, say, video games, Fallen Order comes to mind. Um, and maybe, you know, books, some, some stuff there, but for, for me, maybe it's a personal thing. Just, I, I really spent, felt this is the first time I spent a lot of time on Kashyyyk, just taking it all in. And, and, and I love that. Yeah. It was a lot of quality time. Yeah. We there in mm-hmm. Revenge of the Sith, you really fighting through it. And yeah, the Jedi Fallen Order game, I'm sure countless other games, countless other books, but it is different to just really, really spend some quality time on the planet yeah. like this in on screen. Uh, final action moment for me is um, I'm including it in action because we don't have a horror section, uh, mm. but Venomore being taken by the spiders, right? Oh, and yes. Initially just kind of the screaming and the poking, but then there he's all wrapped up in their webs and uh, he is being pulled up. It's, it's a great action moment because it is, you know, Venomore representing disrespect for uh wookie culture uh, you know uh, nature for uh, mm-hmm. representing the power of dominance uh, you know in, in in chasing all those things and then you know being taken by the very nature he disrespects mm-hmm. it, it's it's clear but i still like uh highlighting it um mm-hmm. but then what i really liked about it is is watching this morning with the uh, subtitles on uh mm-hmm. there's a kind of a long shot where where gunji watches him go up and it, it and Gunji's face drifts from sort of awe and sadness to, well, that's what you get. <laughs> his, his his little face goes hard, and the yeah. subtitle says "screaming continues." <laughs> and it was it was funny and it was horrifying, but it was also like, 
it's underlining what Hunter is saying as like they're kids. They shouldn't have to be warriors too, but in this world they are. Brilliant, brilliant uh, breakdown of the episode. I, I, I wrote that down as just, I, I, I didn't even know if I put it in comedy horse spot for there, but because uh, there's, a, it's, I think why I started to look at the comedy side of it is it's the shot in the background, what you're describing with, with Gunji's experience. <laughs> and then there's just the, the shot and the screaming and uh, a shout out to, to uh, who, the voice of Venomore is JP Carlack, who is someone I, I know acquaintance wise through parties, who is the sweetest soul. He's just this <laughs> very quiet, uh, wonderful personality, um, big personality, but also the same as just a sweet, quiet soul. And to have him uh, screaming for his life as the spiders take him up was a particularly <laughs> personal thing of it too. So I love that you highlighted it. So well done. It's it's true horror indeed. Yep, yep. And I I don't I don't think Venomore is coming back from that. Yeah, uh, I don't think so. No, no. I think we can wrap his Wikipedia entry there. Mm-hmm. Um, you have any other action moments? I, I did put, uh, um, there's the moment again, uh, keeping with what I set up top with Gunji, uh, he's, he strikes out against the Trandoshans really fast. And I wrote down the note, is that wrong? Well, I don't want to be right. And I don't want Gunji to be right in that moment either. He has good reason to do it. I just like that there was, there was some action there, uh, some quick decisions and, and um, uh, loved everything about that. There, there was a real contrast between the like, okay, let's use this on bolts on clones. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt to and, and, and a lot of these Trandoshans go down. I mean, there's some shoulder shots and some face punches, but mm-hmm. yeah, I don't, I think a lot of them didn't make it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, all right. So let's move on from that to comedy, yep. whimsy, weirdness. Uh, what do you have here? I did write that line you've mentioned before, but it's, uh, the cause of that Blastify is either Echo or Omega. Most likely Omega. Tech is a never-ending source of comedy, unintentional and intentional comedy, and, but while also being, I think, very respectful of who he is, right? This isn't played for jokes, right? This isn't, a, the tech is not the joke. I think every the situation, everything else is. It is just straight cutting through the BS, this is what it is type of approach is always funny to me and always a great moment. Yeah, no, I feel like the the humor from tech does come from the sort of the contrast of, mm-hmm. you know, analyzing everything, even things that probably don't need to be analyzed. He he states as though they are, you know, <laughs> this, yeah. was, this was like he had just, you know, scanned a genome or something. Right. And like we know tech, uh, but it, it, it is ne- it is never coming from a place of making fun of him or saying it is wrong to process that world. It's just having fun with the contrast. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, it's 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 a style of comedy. You can play around with it. It can be downright insulting. And I think that every time with tech, I think it's it's pitch perfect. My take on it, at least. Yeah. No, I I agree. I agree. Uh, what are some other beats? Well, you have Wrecker, my my, my man Wrecker, uh, down in the Wookie soup without any hesitation. <laughs> now, I, I always say I love Wrecker. I don't know. I'd be a little bit more echo in this situation. I'm not food brave. All right. Uh, uh, so I think uh, I I would I would. I have to get to Echo where Echo is at the end of the episode, but but my guy Rick Record just going, this is great, love it. And even it, just the way they, I was looking at it too when when they're when they're the scene where they're they're you know got Gunji on the ship and the snack packs in front of it and all that stuff, some heavy stuff going on, and then Record's just sitting there leaning, gnawing on a beef stick or something. <laughs> just <laughs> everywhere they frame him, it's to me, it's scary how much it is me sometimes. And there's a little beat too. Sorry, a, a, a Bogart and the Wrecker moments. There's a beat too where they're, after that when they, they have a little connection with Gunji and, 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 and Wrecker's still gnawing on a beef stick or about to and, and Gunji comes over and Wrecker's like, all right, and like hands it to him. 
It's just so sweet and wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I like uh, how much uh, once uh, Gunji feels comfortable taking food from them, he's going to town. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, I like I like the moment of uh, of the wrecker and the the Wookiee roaring together. You know, it, mm-hmm. it was a moment to me that also did feel like this. It, it's funny because the wrecker has found a soulmate, but it's not making fun of wrecker really, or, you know, Wookiee culture to me, uh, you mm. know, I, so I just, I liked how much he was like, this is great. I, I, you know, because, because we get to see it. Wrecker can't do anything without grunting. It's half the subtitles of an episode of bad batches Wrecker grunts. Right. So he's like, mate, instead of just grunting, I could roar. Awesome. Yeah. 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 The, the mighty roar. Got it. Yeah, uh, this is not, I, there weren't that many to me, just like sort of more jokey lines. I felt like this was, it was, was a heavier episode and, and the darkness was contrasted by all the, you know, beauty of the, the respect and mm-hmm. uh, all the great things we've talked about. Um, so I wrote down an Omega line that was to me more about sense of wonder. Like it was so Omega, Omega sense of wonder being, you know, dialed to 11 that it made me laugh of. Uh, when the Wookiees were consulting with the trees and it was being explained to Omega that's their culture. <laughs> she mm-hmm. says, they're talking to the trees. <laughs> Just that absolute sense of wonder that he, even though, uh, you know, Omega gets it that the galaxy's not in a good place, but still just finding that sense of wonder everywhere mm-hmm. she goes is, is just, it's one of the things that makes me love this show. It's cause it's, I think it's a, uh, a shared joy you and I and many other people have of Ray, right? Some of the great moments, even all the way stretching into Rise of Skywalker and the Aki Aki Festival of like, ah, oh, this is this is the joy in the galaxy. This is possibly why we're fighting and all those moments. of And it's never lost on me when it happens with Ray and it's never lost on me with Omega. They're, they're, they're playing it so well. I'm really yeah. behind on that one. Yeah, and the absolutely great performance. Uh, I think that's it for me. Did you find any other moments? I do like uh, Venomore, uh, you had mentioned it in other stuff earlier, but when, when he gets a flamethrower cut in two and he still tries to use it, I, it's a comic <laughs> beat I always love. I'm good with that. It, can, it, it, can, it makes me giggle into my English muffin all the time. Yeah, no, it's good. And that's a good action moment, too, of, uh, yeah. of Gunji being like, oh, did you think I was trying to hit you? No, I was hitting no. your flamethrower. Yeah. Uh, great stuff. All right, let's move on to uh, canon lore connections to other stories. Um, there was the, uh, uh, of course, the mission that they were on to the uh, Vanguard Axis droids uh, was to sell some chain codes that Tech had made. Uh, if anybody needs a review from old Wikipedia, here's the basics that Wikipedia says. Chain codes identified specific biometric details of an individual and were made up of several numbers with the final four digits signifying the subject's age. They contained other information as well, pertaining to topics such as a person's family, history, and criminal record. Uh, I think uh, as an audio book, all of Wikipedia should be recorded by tech. You can <laughs> I always it. hear it in his voice. But the chain code things are uh, is fun because they do, it starts in Mandalorian and then Bad mm. Batch is like, great, let's run with it. Because they pop up a lot in, in Bad Batch. Yeah, it's funny. I've just started my own uh, Mandalorian rewatch and finished chapter one and was reminded, yeah, yeah, chain codes, bounty pucks, all those kind of things, uh, kind of new, but they seem so old. New, but they seem so old. Uh, do you have any chain code thoughts? Are you happy to see them keep uh, popping up and in, in the way that they're being used yeah. as this sort of v- vital thing is the Empire. The Empire introduces them. We learn in the first season of Bad Batch and it's really a form of control. They're really cracking down on people. Yeah, I think I think it works and, and it helps to uh, uh, world build, which is never one of my 
favorite phrases all the time. It can be misused and misunderstood, but that's a great little detail that I'd love to see. It just makes a lot of sense for the empire. Yeah. And I love that text. Like, no, no, I'm real good at making these now, you know, and mm-hmm. like in my head canon now, like we think when chain codes first pop up, people were like, well, okay, well, why didn't Vader just use one of those to find Luke or whatever? Like, mm-hmm. I think because a tech and a million other slicers made <laughs> an absolute mm-hmm. career out of uh, fake chain codes. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, so the spiders uh, were labeled in the subtitles as Kinrath, uh, which is a great name, I think. Uh, so I, I did Google them on Wikipedia, and I guess uh, they were a concept for an unfinished episode of Clone Wars uh, that was shown at Star Wars Celebration 2015. So the mm-hmm. grand tradition of absolutely no idea going unused in Star Wars. How did you feel about that? And uh, where do these spiders uh, rank for you on the creepy meter? Pretty creepy. Um, not so much the, the the size in the legs. I have a. I'm okay with spiders. Like I, I I'm I. It's my job in the house here to to remove most of them and take them outside. I don't kill them. I I remove them uh, as best I can. Uh, and uh, so I was fine with the design. It was the Stranger Things, uh, you know, underworld version of the mouse. What's <laughs> <laughs> going on up there that made me a kind of a. Uh, jump back in a little fear, but by, that just makes them a great uh, sci-fi uh, fantasy design. Yeah, no, I, I I really liked that they were a little creepy because you know I had that. Now, no, is that a mouth? <laughs> yeah, right. Is that is that a head or a leg? Uh, okay, okay, mm-hmm. and that always makes it a little creepier when you can't identify where the body parts are. I know there's a part of you that's going to eat me, but where is it? Is a, yeah. a, a scary feeling to have. Yeah, yeah. How am I going to be destroyed by you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I take your point that uh, for, for anybody who has a trouble with uh, spiders, this has been a rough few years in Star Wars. <laughs> well, I, I like I, it's my job to take the spiders out of the house. Uh, my fiance, Grace, not a huge fan of spiders. And man, that Mando episode, Chapter 10, was a challenge for us in this house. Yeah, I, I understand having two different action figure sets specifically from that episode of uh, <laughs> of Snowy Mando and in Grogu with horror face and then they're packed in with the ice spiders. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have the vintage and the, the black series because I couldn't resist. Anyway, uh, I won't be gifting those to Grace. Uh, put it that way. <laughs> there you go. Uh, pivoting to new creatures with a connection to creatures that we do like, maybe. Uh I, I'm not actually saying that as a is a guess. It's just an observation. So the the cat like creatures that the the big mm-hmm. things that the Wookies are writing are just called creatures in subtitles. Uh, maybe a name will be revealed down the line. But I was very affected, Ken, because they have uh, okey pokey ears. Uh, the, their ears look a lot like the little uh, critter we see very briefly briefly in Rise of Skywalker uh, on Pasana called okey pokey. Did, mm-hmm. did you look at those? cat things and go they got okie pokey ears yeah a little bit not as direct as you and i'm glad you brought it up um because it makes me like a little more i'm definitely a dog before cat person but i love all animals so love the design love the look and it just was uh i love them because they're they're so just wonderfully oversized but they are what they are space cats <laughs> yep. even a little bit different than lost lost cats and stuff like that just like oh space kitties with giant Okie pokey ears, but a little, even a little chihuahua ears. So yeah, I, I love uh, I love everything about it. It's just so it's so Kashyyyk. And that was the thing. Even like I loved on on Fallen Order. There, there's no part of me that thought Kashyyyk was just a normal forest world. 
mm-hmm. over the years, but Fallen Order really drove home the fact that ah, there's a lot of things I don't want to run into on this planet. <laughs> I kind of hope that almost every appearance of Kashyyyk, we're introduced to three more animals instead of using repeats and just being like, mm. they're, oh, wow, they're everywhere. Mm. Um, yeah. So moving from uh, the wonderful nature to the technological terrors, uh, the tanks in this episode, uh, it, it uh, is said that they are imperial tanks uh, that the Trend Oceans are using, but they do look a lot like the Trade Federation's old AATs. How did you feel about that? I like that because it's just it's a reminder of the time period, reminder of the the probably equipment transition, and 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 maybe some of those tanks were uh, picked up by the the Empire and put into use, and and just uh, for me, it was, a, it was a canon timeline point. Yeah, no, I really took it as like, okay, well, uh, whoever's manufacturing those are still pumping them out, uh, but they're going to Palpatine now, pumping it out for Palpatine. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, so then uh, the only other stuff I had is just kind of, you know, responding to the the uh, continuing Trandoshan Wookiee rivalry that's been established in Star Wars. A lot of the Wookiee culture stuff, seeing the, the head touch again, and I did a little bit of digging on some of it. Uh, Wikipedia is such a great resource for the history of the galaxy. Uh, But sometimes the behind the scenes information has what I'm looking for. And other times, like I was just trying to remember where did the Wookiee head touch start? You know, when was Hmm. the Trandoshan Wookiee rivalry? Like some of that stuff can be uh, hard to Google, but I was just really appreciating uh, those bits of, of culture that have uh, in history and world building that have grown up around the Wookiees and seeing them continue. Mm, that's a good question. Yeah, I love um, digging in, and 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 sometimes it is hard to track. I'm trying to think of the the, the Wookiee head head bop. Where where did that one? Did, did it provide you an answer? No, but, but I mean, I I guess I can Google where where did Wookiee head touch come from. <laughs> a little <laughs> concerned about some of those keywords, but yeah. uh, I guess what I'm saying is it's time for me to rewatch the holiday special and remember if it's in the holiday special. I mean, it's certainly some of the body language of Chewie, right? Like. Mm-hmm. Uh, now mm-hmm. that that head touch has been created in canon, you know, there's plenty of scenes in Empire where he just leans his head against something in sadness. And like uh, the scene where uh, yeah. where where Cliff Clavin tells Leia that <laughs> yes. they're shutting the doors. Right. And he's leaning his head. And like it's even more sad to be like, I don't have a Wookiee to comfort me with a forehead touch. So I'll <laughs> lean on this pole. Ah, God, breaking my heart. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, like the first time I think it really got uh, driven home to me was was Solo. So mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not saying that's the beginning, but I think that's the first, especially if it's of an EU bit or something like that. I, there's a good chance I just missed it. Um, so yeah, interesting track. Maybe someone out there listening can can, can help us uh, in a gentle way and let us know. But now I'm going to watch Empire and and uh, cry for the first time at that scene. Yeah. Yeah. And final thing, there's no no identification of any of the other Wookiees that we meet uh, besides Yana in the subtitles or in the credits. Maybe there will be in, you know, a Bad Batch, you know, info follow up report, whatever they're doing on the Star Wars dot com these days. Um, one of the Wookiees did look like the Wookiee we meet in the first episode of Rebels to me. He looked facially mm-hmm. similar to Wolf Waro, but eh, maybe not. Who knows? Mm, good point. Could very well be with track. Unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other canon or lore things that you noticed or wanted to talk about? It's, it's it's probably without a doubt an indirect connection, and we mentioned it in the thematic stuff earlier, but the fact that Gungi, uh, Gunji, gosh, it's going to take me a bit, Gunji remembers Kashyyyk from his dreams. It just absolutely made mm. me think of Leia and dreams of her mother, um, mm. uh, you know, which is still, you know, one of the more interesting canon plot points in Star Wars that George played around with, we get that side of it, but just to have this kind of, that kind of thing put out there, 
uh, how much of it was through the force, how much of it was um, actual memories. And I just kind of like uh, that happening again. Yeah. I, I really like the idea of, of Jedi as, you know, your new family. And Obi-Wan talks about in the Kenobi show. I love that scene in part three where he's telling Leia, like he thinks he had a brother, but you know, he, he, mm-hmm. he, he only remembers his family in in these dreamlike glimpses and the Jedi were his new family. Um, so mm-hmm. just thinking like how many young Jedi go through this, right. That they kind of have these misty dreams uh, like we all have, but that's the way memories are from when we're very, very young. Right. Mm-hmm. But then it was with, uh, with a Wookiee, uh, with Gunji, um, that we talked about this when we did the data bank dive em- entry on, on Gunji. We kind of being jokey about it. Like, does he get to climb the Unetti tree in the courtyard? Like uh, right. his environment is a big part of his identity. Right. And is he, mm-hmm dreaming of that you know mm. Mm. yeah and how yeah yeah check out that episode folks if it how much does the jedi order wants you to have connect with <laughs> your your identity <laughs> or everything and you know it's sometimes uh used as a criticism of the order but i i i like it here yeah all fair questions yeah i, I thought it was just it was such a beautiful moment and ties in some of the themes and stuff you were talking about earlier but just like what it means overall yeah it's just just beautiful beautiful stuff all right was there anything that you disliked or questioned in this episode I mean, just absolutely hated that they didn't tell me beat for beat how he survived Order 66 and ran away. I, I need that. I need that. Um, no, and I'm sl- like a little bit joking. And that just, uh, like you, you talk often to the tip of the iceberg storytelling. That means it's a story for another day. Yep. Um, you know, does did, did the other uh, Padawans we meet in the Gathering Arc, what, what happened to them, all that kind of stuff, uh, you know, fair questions, good questions to ask. Uh, not relevant to this story yet. And and uh, it just made me think about that there. So just adjust it. I, I love I loved this episode top to bottom, but if anyone has that issue, understand it and just say, hey, means the answers could come later. Yeah, I think so too. Of like, yeah, that'd be a great story to tell. You know, was he somewhere other than the temple or even as a Padawan, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a youngling? Uh, we don't know if he made it to Padawan, um, if he's, he was out there. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do like that after we meet all of those younglings, in the gathering arc, we see them again in the clone wars, almost always being, uh, trained, uh, by my beloved, uh, Tara Sanube, mm-hmm. um, who we saw in the clone wars as having definitely been <laughs> captured by the empire and yeah. frozen <laughs> mm-hmm. as a trophy. Um, so in my personal headcanon, Tara Sanube gave his life to save Gunji. I, I, I kind of think I need that to be the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. I would have lost it if uh, I, I didn't need that in this episode. This episode was beautiful. And I, I liked that that light touch of like, mm-hmm. you must have been through a lot in yes. this, in, in the whatever it is, a year, year and a half since Order 66, wherever we're at in their mm-hmm. timeline now. You must have been through a lot to survive. I, I like keeping it a light touch. But if, if he had roared something, that he's speaking of the Jedi Terra Sanube, uh, <laughs> I'd have been trying yeah. that. Uh, the, the only thing I laugh, laughing through the tears. That's what yeah. this episode is about. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, uh, I didn't, I didn't dislike it. It's questioning. It's, it's wanting more. It's every time we tell a story in, in one of these eras <laughs> where a Jedi is safe again, you're like, Oh, that's great. But for how long, <laughs> uh, were you at all affected by that? It was this nice beat of, well, um, Yana is entirely taking him in. He the Bad Batch helped him. He's he's 
back with his people. He's, you know, uh, reconnecting to uh, Kashyyyk uh, and, and Wookiee culture. Hooray! Uh, mm. We know things don't go great for Jedi or Kashyyyk. How, does that hang over the episode for you? It it only only in tip of the iceberg storytelling way. Uh, I I think um, I, I was asked uh, by a friend off air about I I I hear you know Gunji's back is 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 he is he still going is he in the story is or is it, is it wrapped up and I was like you know what it, it could be both but I think this episode really wraps up his tale if that is what that's supposed to be right this could be. Um, the, the final chapter in Gunji's story in this series and maybe it's somewhere else, but he also could come back. Uh, so I, I love exploring that. Uh, you and I have talked often about, Hey, as the years have rolled on in actual, in our actual fandoms, uh, more and more Jedi are alive and that does hang over it. Um, but I no longer think it has to be as much as I used to think it has to be death that Luke is the only one. Uh, you and I have talked about, you had said some stuff. I was going to try to even quote you, sir, of, uh, <laughs> episodes of, of it's about, you know, where you need to be and what your particular part of the fight or your particular part of the journey is. And Luke's is on a grand scale, but there's a lot of other Jedis who could be who they are, could help in other ways. And so I think Gunji kind of falls in that category for me right now. Does he come roaring back? Maybe he does, but I love that where they leave it, this could be um, the end of that trail for now for me and I'd be okay. Yeah, no, I, I think it could be that. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, much like Ezra served this other purpose needed to be in this other place. Like, you know, uh, Gunji is is a Jedi, the Jedi who you know mm-hmm. defends Kashyyyk and you know keeps people uh, alive is throughout this Imperial horror. Yeah, yeah. I got I got uh, big hopes for Gunji. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I would too. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Is there anything uh, that we haven't talked about then that you wanted to touch on? Uh, no, I did want to, you know, uh, shout out some little ship moments. I got to do that, so I think I'm all good there. Real good stuff. Uh, yeah, no, the only thing for me, you already mentioned that Axis Droid space station design was was real cool. Um, it looked like an evil omelet in space, and I like that. <laughs> it looked great. I mean, it looked it looked um, it looked it looked like such a video game design, which I love. You know, like like there's some great designs in in, in all the video games in Star Wars, especially like Fallen Order, some wonderful ones. So yeah, I, I think it it was a great little Star Wars detail. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, uh, speaking of that, we, we didn't really talk about the droids. Uh, the Vanguard Access, uh, according to my Googling, are, are new. Um, they're just, they seem like a gang of, uh, of mean droids. How do you yeah. feel about that? Or did you want this to be the droid Gatra or the Haxian Brood? How did you feel like this was just like, hey, there's, there are a lot of factions in yeah. the galaxy and even small groups. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't get the sense that they're, you know, a massive power. It's like uh, uh, one small group. How did you feel about all that? Yeah, I'm I'm fine with it being something completely new. Uh, maybe we deal with it all uh, in a bigger way down the line. But yeah, uh, great great design too, well executed. Yeah, yeah, like. great design. Scary, no baggage because they're just new scary droids. And also, you know, I think uh, the Bad Batch uh, having um, you know having to have these dealings with with droids when a lot of their <laughs> their mm-hmm. life is hey, we were born to fight droids. You know, yeah. is yeah. a a fun additional wrinkle. I suppose the other thing that we haven't talked about in a while, because there hasn't been a reason to, is Gonky. Where is Gonky? Is he safe? Is he all right? How are you feeling about our lack of Gonky in season two? You know what's? I have not thought about it a lot, and I think I know we've mentioned on the on some of the earlier episodes. But now that you say it again, like man, yeah, conspiracy theory time. <laughs> yeah, come on, 
Give us donkey. These shows do have budgets and sometimes things like this are budget reasons. It's gonky. It's a block with legs. I'll pay for it. (laughs) I'll pay for it. Yeah, it doesn't even have to be a high resolution. Let's just uh, let's just paste in like an N sixty four version of, of Gonky. Eight bit, eight bit Gonky. We missed the opportunity for a uh, infamous David Letterman at the Oscars bit too to be like <laughs> Gonky, 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 Gonky. Oh, uh, all right. Uh, if you could have a figure or merch of any kind inspired by this episode of The Bad Batch, what do you want? We need to go right to it, man. No, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. We need a Yana and Gunji return to home two-pack with head bopping action. <laughs> that is right. Uh, that is absolutely right. Uh, uh, yes, uh, I, I don't have any uh, great clever answer. I just want Gunji in all scales action figure. We need some Gunji mm-hmm. action figures. We need more Bad Batch action figures, period. But come on, I think Gunji would fly off the shelves. Yeah, at the time of this recording, we're getting a lot of uh, figure information flying mm-hmm. off the uh, social media ch- shelves there, and, and including some really spectacular Funko Pops. Every time I think I'm 100% completely done with Funko, like love them, but not for me anymore. I saw like a Jabba and Salacious Crumb one night. It's like, oh, well, that does probably belong on my shelf. And just a, a, a good, like, a Gunji Funko Pop with its saber out. That'd be great. Oh, yeah. Hey, did you see that one of the, the Ewok that comes with the Imperial helmets uh, that the Ewok's drumming on? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> did you pre order it? I, I want to, but I, I don't know. <laughs> I just can't. Yeah. No. yeah. Welcome to Whispering About Toys, our new yeah. segment here on Force Center. <laughs> It hurts. Uh, yeah. Final thing I want, because I was uh, lucky to recently visit uh, Galaxy's Edge and have that immersive experience. You know, if if Disney keeps wanting to build immersive experiences, it mm-hmm. would be great if they could just create Kashyyyk, because I, I, I would really just like to sleep in a treehouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, I mentioned like spending time in Kashyyyk, Battlefront 2, a lot of those games have great maps and you uh, you do get to wander. And so I'm with you. Sleep, sleep in a nice uh, Wookiee hut would be great. Yeah, exactly. All right, that is our big look at this particular episode of Bad Batch. We are loving this season. We love this particular episode. Uh, I I think I probably uh, said Gunji and Gungi, trying to say Gunji. Uh, We want to respect this wonderful Wookiee character. Ken, where can people find us? Hey, you can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Hive Social if you're still over there at Force Center on Facebook and Instagram. And we are on YouTube. We are still trying to build towards 7,000 subscribers, our next uh, plateau to reach. So if you want to subscribe, head over there. Uh, we have the time of this recording. You might be listening later, but Figure Fights, our new YouTube-only show, debuts February 2nd at 10 a.m. Pacific. Also, we start to have some shorts up there. There's a figure review of the Gentle Giant Princess Leia Organa Milestones figure up there. More of those coming. So uh, subscribe over on the YouTube channel if you'd like. You can get merch at tpublic.com slash, lose, slash loser slash user. Slash <laughs> You're a loser if you don't click that. Right? Um, you uh, can also find the podcast on a lot of different spots, including iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Just search. You'll find us. You can support us directly over at Patreon at patreon.com slash uh, Force Center. Or uh, you can go to our personal sites like catnapsock.com or at Ken Napsock to find uh, information on all the other things I do and the things Joseph does, not at KenNapsock.com, but at your own website, sir. Yes? Right. Yes. You can find me uh, at Joseph Scrimshaw slash loser, which <laughs> just 
can't believe that we haven't said that more often. It's not an easy thing to say slash user, right? Uh, mm-hmm. People must say that all the time. Yeah, join me at slash loser. Uh, uh, yeah, sorry. sorry. <laughs> uh, yes, but you can find me on all the social media at Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm still on Twitter. Uh, I'm trying to find some more friends on Instagram, all sorts of different places for social media. And uh, while you're checking out of Force Center's presence on YouTube, you can go to my page. Actually, you can just scroll down to the bottom of the Force Center page and find all of our YouTube personal pages, uh, myself, Ken, and Jennifer. Uh, I'll, after Figure Fights premieres, I'll be uh, adding a new short film to my YouTube page, so please go check us out there. But that is it for now. For myself, for Ken, for Gunji, this has been The Bad Match. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.